Welcome to Life on the Illinois Prairie. Your host is Wendy Fleming Dexter, and after 30 years living in small town Illinois, she has stories to tell. Past cornfields and factories, into the heart of Amish country. There's more here than what meets the eye, far beyond what you think you know. So buckle up and stay tuned. This is Life on the Illinois Prairie. Hi, I'm your host, Wendy Fleming Dexter, and welcome to Life on the Illinois Prairie. We have, if you're here today, we appreciate you stopping by and hope you come back again. Our guest today is a local genealogist, David Kent Coy. David, I've seen your name so many times, and I know that you're very well-known and very prominent in the area of genealogy. I had seen a post on Wilmer Otto's Facebook page about the Jacob Hostetler Family Association, and I wonder if you could just give a, a just tell us about that, if you will, and what's going on with that, and what an interesting gathering that seems to be. Well, the Jacob Hostetler Association was organized in 1988. And it's comprised of people who are descendants of an immigrant from Switzerland named Jacob Hostetler. He arrived in Pennsylvania in the first Amish settlement in America. And he literally has thousands upon thousands of descendants, including myself and Wilmer Otto and many, many people who live in the Arthur, Illinois area. The association is a membership-based group. They put out a newsletter, and every five years, they have what they call a family gathering. They don't call it a reunion, because if you go, you may be meeting people you've never met before, but it's a gathering of descendants and interested people. It's a pretty large event, isn't it? I see that your Facebook page has over 5,000 members. Yes, Yes, and I would like to hope we could see maybe 800 people at this event that's going to happen in Arthur, Illinois, July 28th through the 29th. We're counting on a, a big, sizable crowd, and, and certainly with the number of descendants he has, it's possible to have that many. Is it is it open to just the family member to the descendants, or is it open to the public at all? If, if anybody's interested, they're eligible to... Uh, register. There's a $10 registration fee, but I assume there'll probably be people there who suspect that they're related to <laughs> Jacob Hostetler, but have never proven it. We will have some genealogy people there with a huge database of his descendants, and I mean thousands upon thousands. And if you think you're related, we'll figure it out for you. Hmm. That's pretty fascinating. I know that you said that you had been, your interest in genealogy goes back to when you were 16, when you started uh, recording your family history. And it certainly has evolved yes. since then. And the way that you do the research has, it has also evolved, I'm yes. sure. I, actually, I was 15. 15. Is it much, much easier now? Yes, but you still have to, yeah, still have to revert back to the old-fashioned way sometimes, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, when I was born, I actually had 12 living ancestors, both of my parents, one grandmother, two grandfathers, 
all four of my great-grandmothers, two great-grandfathers, and one great-great-grandmother. So even as a small child, I had to be a genealogist just to figure out who all those people were. <laughs> but the two, two of my great-grandmothers lived until I was 16, and they're the ones who told stories and got me really interested. And it was in July of 1968 that we took one grandmother on a drive out in the country, and she wanted to go to the cemetery where her grandparents were buried. So we went, went back to the old section of the cemetery and copied down the uh, information off the tombstone just on the back of an old envelope that she had in her purse. But I still have that old envelope with the, that very first writing. And believe it or not, the person's tombstone was Margaret Hostetler Sears. So, you know, really my first venture into genealogy started with this family. Well, that is fascinating, isn't it? Did you have any idea when you went, I mean, you wouldn't have had any idea, I don't suppose, at that at that stage of the game, that your involvement was with that with that no, I into had that family. No clue, no hmm. clue. But uh, it's just something I very much enjoy and and pursue. In and now now I'm seventy and retired, so I work on it, you know, a whole lot. And the Holstatlers are a very fascinating family with the the uh, you know the first immigrant, Jacob, and his family were attacked by Indians in Pennsylvania. And he and two of his sons were captured, and the rest of the family was killed, except for a married son and a married daughter who lived elsewhere. And my great-grandmother told me parts of this story that she had had handed down to her. But in 1913, a man named Harvey Hostetler compiled a book of well over a thousand pages based on that legend, that story. Mm -hmm. And in years later, people have gone back in and actually documented it with papers from the Pennsylvania archives and so forth. And it, it was especially fascinating to me because the Amish are pacifists. They don't believe in fighting and wars and so forth. And although Jacob and his sons, who were teenagers at the time, were good shots and knew how to hunt, he would not let them fire back on the Indians when they attacked, which when I first learned that, it took my brain a little bit to understand that. But like I said, the father and the two sons were captured Jacob, the father, managed to escape, but the two sons were held by the Indians there in Pennsylvania for around seven years mm -hmm. and, you know, became indoctrinated into the, to the culture of the Indians at that time. Mm -hmm. And then Jacob eventually petitioned the governor of the colony at that time of Pennsylvania to negotiate their release. My ancestor was the younger son, and his name was Christian, and he left the Amish church and became a, what they called a dunkard, which refers to baptism, but being dunked into the water, not, not sprinkled, but dunked mm -hmm. into the water. And so my 
family broke off from the Amish church eight generations ago. But there are still many descendants living who are Amish still to this day. Well, that's a fascinating story. I had read the account that you'd posted about that massacre and yes. how brutal that was. And and to think that yes. he had that that firm a belief in being a pacifist that he would sacrifice basically his own family, parts of them, right. to, to his belief. Amazing. It is. It's, it kind of gives you cold chills to think about it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's... Uh, Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's hard to wrap your brain around something like that. Yeah. His his wife was killed, a daughter and a son. The, the son had been wounded, but then in the final time of the massacre, he was killed also. Mm-hmm. So, and we don't even know that daughter's name. Really? Mm-hmm. Incredible. Now, the uh, I see Northkill Amish. That was where that happened. Is that is that where? Yes, that? yeah. There was a North Kill Creek, and th- this was the the first group of Amish people who came from Switzerland, settled there, and it was a predominantly Amish neighborhood. But after the massacre, they dispersed and moved away from there because they were, you know, fearful of being attacked themselves. Hmm. And how did they end up? How is it that the descendant of, was it Joseph that came to this area? Joseph Hostetter? Joseph is a descendant. He's more or less in my line. Uh, He's a descendant of Christian. But he's called, he's well known as Joseph the Boy Preacher. He, again, was part of the Dunkard Church down in Kentucky and started as a young teenager preaching. And again, it was a more liberal church and believed in total immersion into the water as part of their baptism. He became a very prolific preacher, traveled all over Kentucky, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, Iowa, and I'm telling you, he started a church <laughs> everywhere he went. And here in central Illinois, if you open up a county history book and look up founders of churches, his name is, is listed in many of them. And he, he was on the move all the time. And, and this is back, he was born in 1797. So this is back, we're talking horses, you know, mm-hmm. horses and wagons. And I just can't, and he had 11 children with his first wife. I, I just can't keep up with him packing all of them up and moving to all these places. But he founded several church. I live in Decatur, Illinois, and he founded the Christian church here. And when we have this family gathering on July 28th and 29th, we'll be touring, going to a church he founded in Lovington, Illinois, which is very near Arthur, and we'll also be going to his burial place. I got interested in him and sought out where he was buried, and when I found it, his tombstone had been broken into four pieces, and you could, even placing it all together, you could barely figure it out it was him. So I sponsored a fund drive to raise money to replace that tombstone. 
And in fact, the church here in Decatur was celebrating their sesquicentennial that same year, which I wasn't even aware of till later. Mm-hmm. But they they helped pay for a uh, new monument for the wow. at the grave of the boy preacher in the Keller Cemetery just south of Lovington. Hmm. And we'll be touring that also during this family gathering. Wow. I saw that you had three different tours, if I'm not mistaken. You go to the homestead of the three uh, settlers, first settlers in Douglas County. Yes. Yeah, the Douglas County branch, there were three families that came from Pennsylvania in, I think it was 1865, right after the Civil War, came to Douglas County. Douglas County's the next to the youngest county out of the 102 counties in Illinois because it was a very marshy, wet land. It was settled later than much of the rest of the state. But they came by train, and one of them was a Hostetler, but his family had become Dunkards, whereas the other two families that came were Amish. And one of the tours will be to go to their three homesteads. Hmm. And a couple of those houses have been restored and are at the Illinois Amish Heritage Center, which is one of the locations of our family gathering this year. And it's a, a great place to see the early Amish homes and barns. And in fact, what our Friday night meal is going to be in the barn. It's a totally restored, I think, 1879 barn. Mm-hmm. We watched that barn going up last fall when they had the barn raising, and that was a pretty yes. fascinating thing. Every facet of what's happened out there to me is just fascinating that uh, yes. Wil- Wilmer yes. and all the volunteers who've done so much to bring that right. to life. It's just a uh, I find it incredible. Our, our own family, they were talking about doing away with their family reunion every year. It's like, boy, you know, why do we not have that interest that uh, in preserving our heritage and our roots that, that you know, the, that, is being happen- that is happening at the Illinois Amish Heritage Center? It's a lot of work, I know, for um, many people have done. And so you're going to have the, the dinner that evening or that first day will be in the barn? Yes. There'll be activities and displays there at the Illinois Amish Heritage Center, just between Chesterville and Arthur. And the dinner uh, will be in the barn, catered by Yoder's Restaurant from Arthur, which is a great place to eat. Mm -hmm. And the the speaker's name is John Sharp, and he's going to talk about those initial three families and why they came to Douglas County and the development of the Amish in Arthur. And then on Saturday, we'll be at the Arthur Christian School, which is a, a, a modern Christian school. In fact, they're adding on as we speak. And we'll have nine seminars presented by nine different speakers on various topics related to the, the Amish and the Mennonites, the Hostetler family, and so forth. Um, We'll have a sack lunch that day on Saturday, and then the tours will start at, I forget, either 3 or 3.30 in the afternoon. I see that there are bus tours and self-guided tours if a person would decide to go off on their own, and they can do that too, correct? Yes, yes. 
I think I'd probably be better off with a bus tour to learn to have somebody that's an expert guiding me. Yeah. 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 And we'll have little flyers that will describe each tour. So people be informed and can take the flyer with them so they can reread some of the details. But should be a great day to learn. Oh, it, mm-hmm. and that's 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 the whole purpose from us starting this podcast is is uh, the first season to learn about the Amish. It'll be an ongoing theme, I'm sure, as we go on over the years, I hope, because there's so much to learn. But this history is very fascinating to me. Do you expect anybody from out of the country to come? I mean, is that something that's... In, in the previous, they have these every five years. And in the previous years, they have had people from out of the country. I know we, we last time I checked on people who've registered, there's already five or six different states mm-hmm. represented. And people, I know somebody from Texas who's coming. So yes, they come from all over. And it, it almost seems to me like the Amish have a, a genealogy gene. Almost anybody that is related to this Hostetler family is very interested in their family lore. You know, they've mm-hmm. either all heard remnants of that story about the Indian massacre or it's been passed down through the family mm-hmm. and they want to know, you know, how they're related. In fact, the, the average Amish person may be descended from Jacob Hosteller as many as five different times. Really? Which I find incredible. But because oh. the, the Amish married other Amish people, um, mm-hmm. it was a close-knit group. Mm-hmm. So you said that the Joseph Hosteller, the boy preacher, was a farmer and a doctor and a politician. He, had all, he wore all sorts of different hats, didn't he? Yes, he must have been something else because uh, a very bright person. He he had very little formal training as a doctor, but he's listed as a doctor in several census records. And and uh, several of his sons, I think it was five of his sons, served in the Civil War. And three or four of them did become med- trained medical doctors. Hmm. So they were a very capable group. Yeah, he he was quite the quite the guy, and he owned the land here in Decatur where the current Macon County Courthouse is standing. But that's oh, really? he owned the land. Yeah, and he was I think it was county treasurer for two years, something like that. But he didn't stay put very long in any one place, and sometimes he moved back. Like, and I, he's hard to keep track of in the records, you know. Oh, because, I bet. Yeah. Sounds like he had incredible, incredible wanderlust. Uh, I wonder if that just stemmed yeah. back from that experience that his family went through of being in one place and then being attacked and maybe just, you know, as long as you yeah. don't set down roots for too long. Right. And I think he was a preacher. He wanted to convert people. And mm-hmm. so he uh, saw that as a, a guiding force to keep him on the move. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. What's the uh, the sh- the picture of a ship anchor? Is that a mystery that will be uh-huh. shared at the at one of the tours, or will that question yes, be I answered? Yes, I tell you a little bit about it. A descendant of Jacob Hostetler ended up uh, living in Lovington, Illinois, and he also had a very inquisitive mind and studied things and was almost a scientist. And somehow he acquired a ship's anchor from 
an ocean, you know, had to have been, and there's no ocean in central Illinois, but it was hung between two trees in the yard of his house in Lovington, Illinois. And the last time I was there, I noticed that they had trimmed the trees because I think the trees might, or at least one of the trees might be dying, but the anchor is still there. And another interesting point right there is this same man on this two-story home, which is still standing and in good condition, painted an American flag on the west side of his home. Not flying a flag, but painted onto the side of the house. And it's uh, very well locally known, but it's also been featured in Ripley's, believe it or not, in the newspaper and, you know, is a well-known central Illinois location. The flag mm -hmm. house, they call it. Mm -hmm. And that's at the same place where the where the anchor hangs. Very interesting. I, I, it's hard for me to realize that somebody that lived that long ago still has such a lasting influence to this day. Yes. Besides yes. the things that he left behind, but all that, all that moving around and all the large family he had and all these descendants. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, Jacob Hosteller has has literally thousands of de descendants. And, mm. and Joseph Hosteller, the boy preacher, just a couple of days ago, I ran a computer printout of his, of his descendants, and it turned out to be 10 pages of names, single-spaced. <laughs> I didn't even goodness. count how many, but lots and lots. And, of course, there are many that are not accounted for yet. Mm hmm. Hmm. So Illinois Amish Heritage Center is. Uh, how long have you been involved in that, David? Have you since the inception of it? Well, no, just a couple of years. I'm, I'm familiar with Wilmer, and I'm friends with the man named Tom Vance, who's the one that supervised moving the buildings there. He and I know each other from another old building, the Five Mile House, which is down in Hutton Township of Coles County. And it's supposedly the oldest building in Coles County. But, and before that, Tom was superintendent of the uh, Thomas Lincoln Log Cabin Park there around near Charleston. So I've known him for a long time and have a huge respect for his knowledge and, and uh, moving those buildings. You, you don't just move a 150-year-old building lightly. You have to know what you're doing. And Tom and Wilmer have done an excellent job there along with their board of directors. Right. You know, Wilmer was our first, very first guest that I had on the show. And uh, Tom has agreed to come on at a later date and discuss the Five Mile House. Great. Yeah, I can't wait. I, I know that he had was instrumental in even things, that little details that we wouldn't think about, like the the uh, chemical makeup of the paint that was used back yes. when those homes were built and uh, trying to restore and make those colors just as vivid and bright as they were in those days. And the, the structure of those homes, if nothing else, tells you the workmanship of the Amish craftsperson that can build a home in 1865 and that it can not yes. only just survive, but it, it can be moved, that can be moved yes. for miles and still be very, very structurally sound. That's, right. that's incredible right. to me. And we saw that. I was there the day they moved those buildings from behind Yoder's 
with uh, starting out with the team of horses, uh, draft yes. horses. That's uh, something. And I know that the um, they said that Wilmer's told that story before how that video had gone viral that I believe the state police took over a million views yes. of the uh, draft horses pulling those buildings. It's just, you never, you know, I'll never see anything like that again in my lifetime. No. Um, to think no, that, that it's this really close unique. to us. Yes. It's quite right. a thing. And, you know, they, did, they didn't have to use horses. I mean, they chose to do that to mm -hmm. emulate how it would have been done, you know, 100 years ago. And I find that to be fascinating. It, it might have been easier, you know, just to hook it up to a tractor or whatever, mm -hmm. but they chose yeah. to do it that way, which in my mind was much more interesting and, and colorful and everything else. So, Just true to the nature of how it would have been in, you know, in, in, in the day, back in the yes. day. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Tom, Tom's the kind of man that can look at a board and tell you what kind of saw <laughs> they used to saw it and about what time frame and everything else. He amazes me. And, mm -hmm. and he, you know, they held true to the whole thing as much as possible. And here just recently, Wilmer had a agency, engineering agency, come and study the barn because we're talking about eating up in the barn loft. Oh and we, we, we thought, well, we want to make sure it's safe so that people don't get up there and then fall through the floor. <laughs> yeah. And they did a whole full-page report about the structure and sturdiness of the mm -hmm. barn and how it's lasted this long and it should last longer even. So, yeah. so we feel competent that the uh, barn will be a safe healthy structure for us to eat out of. Oh, I bet. We were there for their uh, sheep to wool to clothing event that they oh, had just uh -huh. a few weeks ago. And Wilmer said, you need to get down to the barn and see the, the alpacas. So we did. They shared the alpacas. Yeah. And when we were in there, I was, this was my first opportunity to see it from the inside and to see the melding, the blending of the, the original structure with the new wood and the new materials that they uh -huh. had to, to put in to make it you know, to make it sturdy and and safe with the old parts, and then to look up and see those wooden pegs that they used to put it together, yes. just is just, just uh, it's an incredible thing to see, and it's just such an incredible place. I'm so proud of it that it's so close to us that we get to. I mean, I can mm -hmm. just hop, skip, and a jump for me to get up there and and see it and uh, be a part of it. I know that it's been Wilbur's passion for a long time and as you said the board many many people make it work it just certainly doesn't happen on its own but anybody that gets the opportunity to uh, visit the Illinois Amish Heritage Center I uh, urge people to do that yes I agree well gosh David this has just been fascinating and you know we'd love to have you back sometime if you'd be interested in anything else you'd like to speak about or about this same subject and if you'd like to even come back before the event if you have something more you'd like to offer you're more than welcome to well, and we can we can think of that i'd be glad to come back it's it's the type of topic i'm always happy to speak about you know my own direct ancestors but also just to see how many other people are interested in the same topic and and family and so forth but yeah this event July 28th and 29th, we'll really cap it off. You know, we'll have uh, all these presentations. And, and Tom Vance is one of them, by the way, did I mention that? And a lady named Carolyn Cloyd from Arcola is going to speak about 
Well, my great-grandmother used to call her cousin Lizzie Barnes, but she was one of the first female doctors in the whole United States, and she's a Hostetler descendant, just lived over there between Arthur or Arcola and Hinesboro, Illinois. So we'll hear about her and, and uh, the Barn, uh, Barnes family connection and so forth. So it should be a fascinating time. Oh, it sounds like the whole thing, just reading the agenda, what's going to happen. And I'm, I'm certainly not even part of the family, but it makes you feel like it's just such a compelling story and ongoing story. And I think many people will be surprised at the ripple effect that these people have had in this, in this part of the country and central Illinois. So do you have any websites you'd like to share or anything? Anybody, any websites you'd like to share? Or Well, there's a Facebook page called Descendants of Jacob Holstetler, which is our official Facebook page. And if you get onto that, it will lead you to the Holstetler Family Association webpage where you can find more information. Well, that's that's just, uh, I appreciate it so much. I, I just, when I had seen this information shared on Wilmer's page, I thought, oh my gosh, I have to see if that gentleman will come on the show. And here you are. <laughs> and I couldn't be more delighted sure. to, I hope to get, to get to meet you in person. I know that I see, I follow you on Facebook and that you get to, you stir, your mother's still alive and you get to spend time with her. Yes. I am. Yeah. She's, she's planning to go to the family gathering. Oh, how so wonderful. She, she's 90 years old, but she wants to go, so we'll get her there. <laughs> that's that's wonderful. I'm just, uh, mm-hmm. I envy you having your mother. I know you never take a day of that for granted. So, Right. Well, thank you, David Kent Coy, for being our guest today on Life on the Illinois Prairie. If you've enjoyed this show, or I hope you've enjoyed the show, <laughs> please like, share, and subscribe where you listen to this show any platform that you listen to it on, and share with your friends. And uh, if you have any topics you'd like to suggest for the show, um, you can also contact me on Windex, W-E-N-D-E-X-L-O-T-I-P, at gmail.com. Again, thanks for stopping by today. It's been a great pleasure to have David here, and um, I hope that you've enjoyed learning a little bit more about the Arthur Illinois Amish today. I appreciate you stopping by. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Life on the Illinois Prairie, the undercurrents of our American life. If you haven't yet, go ahead and subscribe to Life on the Illinois Prairie wherever you get your podcast. Stay tuned for more stories, interviews, and updates. I'm your host, Wendy Fleming Dexter. Until next time. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.